to the SJ Childs Show, hosted by SJ Childs, streaming on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Find us on all social medias. The SJ Childs Show, bringing value to families through education and resources. Check us out weekly, where we'll have new and exciting guests. Thanks so much for your support. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by S.J. Childs Books for Children. Visit sjchilds.org today to check out their special needs book collection. Teach inclusion and your diversity in this special seven book collection. Get yours today. This episode's sponsors include Blinky Minky Blankets, handmade double-sided minky blankets, highest quality and craftsmanship, creating your perfect blanket for your loved one as a special forever gift. Code word the mouth for discount today. By Dana Ball Legal Services. Avoid common legal mistakes and protect your small business. Dana makes it affordable for your Utah small business to avoid common legal mistakes with business operations, contracts, and employees. Get more information today at danaballlaw.com. By Moving with Autism, a service for autism families seeking real estate and design services that provide support for their child's development and family lifestyle. Natalie Castro is a Utah autism real estate specialist and autism sibling whose mission is to connect families to community support with sensory-friendly designs and relocation services. By Elevation Chiropractic Center. Get started on your path to full health. Elevation Chiropractic Center uses the upper cervical chiropractic technique to get results by identifying and solving the root issues of your medical condition quickly and safely. Elevation Chiropractic Center, Salt Lake City, Utah. This story is brought to you by Water and Body Basics, West Valley City, Utah. Hi, and welcome to the SJ Childs Show. I'm your host, SJ Childs, and today I have a special guest, Richard Capriola. He is going to share with us some really valuable information. And I know a lot of my viewers and listeners, especially, they enjoy just getting this kind of education, this kind of information. So that's why we've invited you onto the show today. Thank you so much for being here, Richard. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to talk about this topic of adolescent substance abuse, which is such an important topic. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. I'm looking forward to it. And I really just want to dive deep into, um, you know, I looked at some your book and you have courses, it looks like. Uh, maybe, and I think I'm looking at two different websites right now. Um, but yeah, I, it, I'm excited to to touch, you know, about those things. Substance abuse in adolescence is a heartbreaking um, topic. And like I had just mentioned before, probably one that a lot of parents want to look away from, don't want to look at directly. Um, and there's a lot that can be uh, made, you know, we can go through a process of getting them help, of course, but what can we do beforehand? What can we do ahead of time to maybe learn about some things to look for in our children? Yeah, I I, I think uh, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And although this can be a very frightening uh, topic for parents that many parents want to avoid, assume that it never can happen to their child and, and just stay away from it. Um, I, I, 
I think the best approach is to uh, learn as much as you can about it. Learn the basics. You don't have to become an expert on teen substance abuse. Yeah. But as a parent, learn the basics and 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 hopefully uh, feel more confident about this topic. Uh, and that's really why I wrote my book. I kept it to around 100 pages because parents are busy. They don't have time to read volumes of information. <laughs> so I kept it to about 100 pages and packed it with a lot of information that I hope parents, when they read it, will walk away thinking, okay, I've got this. I understand this a little bit better. I hope I don't have to confront this issue, but if I do, I feel much better prepared to deal with it. Definitely. Absolutely. What are some tips that you offer parents that may come to you and say, hey, I think I'm looking at this kind of a um, you know, substance abuse or things, or maybe even where does your story begin and how did you get into it? Well, I got into this after a long history of working in education uh, at the state level in Illinois. And I transitioned out of that career and started working in the mental health field uh, at a mental health crisis center. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that a number of people that were coming to the crisis center from the emergency rooms had not only a mental health crisis they were struggling with, but also a substance abuse issue. So I went back to the University of Illinois and obtained uh, a degree in uh, what is basically addiction counseling. I then accepted a position at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, which is a large psychiatric hospital that treats adolescents and adults from around the world. And I was hired as an addictions counselor and worked with both adolescents and adults. Uh, and so many times I would sit across from parents and I would go through their child's history of using a substance. What, what substances were they using? How often were they using? And what kind of a diagnosis? Was it mild or moderate or severe? And when I finished, the parents sometimes would look across at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they might say, I sort of thought something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. Mm -hmm. So after I left Menninger, I wanted to write this book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, to equip parents with the basic information. These were good parents. These were very good parents doing the best job that they could. Yeah. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. Yes. So I wanted to put the warning signs in my book. I wanted parents to have information on what assessments and tests you should get done if you suspect your child is using a substance. I wanted them to know what treatment options are out there and how to look for a good treatment program and what yeah. questions to ask. And I wanted them to know what the warning signs for a child who might be self-injuring mm. or might develop be developing an eating disorder, because sometimes self-injury and eating disorders will accompany a child's use of a substance. So I wanted them to have the warning signs on those as well. Wow. Such valuable information. And like you said, knowledge is power. And yeah. when parents don't know what to look for, how can they, you know, do their best? My husband has this great analogy for parenting overall. He says, you know, we are the bow and the kids are the arrow. And we could be the perfectly constructed, most beautiful bows ever crafted in the world. And we shoot this arrow, but one change in the wind 
or, uh, you know, something gets in front of it. Anything can change the trajectory of that arrow and they go their own direction. They go their own way. So uh, I think that that is kind of right on target, if you will, a little pun there. (laughs) But but yeah, it really goes to show the, um, you know, the delicacy of these situations as well. What type of... I guess, events do you see most often occurring for these kids that get them into going down this road? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways uh, that, that kids become uh, subject to using substances like alcohol or marijuana or other drugs. Some of them um, just get curious as to what this is and, and they want to try it for themselves. Others get captured by peer influence. The, the friends are hanging around are using and, and, and encourage them to use. And then for some kids, not all kids, but for some kids, there is an underlying mental health issue that the child is using the substance to medicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, many of the teenagers that I worked with at Menninger Clinic were smoking marijuana multiple times a day. And w- when I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking marijuana so much, the number one answer that came back was it helps me with my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So for some kids, they're using a substance to medicate an underlying issue like anxiety, depression, trauma, um, some other mental health issue that often gets uh, ignored because we tend to focus on the drugs and we miss the idea that, well, maybe this kid is using the drug to medicate an underlying issue. And that's why it's so important, as I point out in my book uh, on the chapter on assessments, to get a comprehensive assessment, Mm -hmm. to get an addictions assessment, uh, uh, to focus on the alcohol or the substance use, but also to get a psychological or a neuropsychological assessment to either rule in or rule out if some of these other issues are driving your child to use a substance. You know, I completely agree with that. And I talk about mental health a lot on my show. Um, you know, you and I didn't have a long time to talk beforehand, so you didn't even know, but I have a family of all autistics. My husband and three children are all on the autism spectrum. And I, I see so much just in society, the overlooking of things, yeah. the um, focusing more on the symptom rather than the underlying root of the problem, or, you know, kind of trying to really understand that person, your child as a human. I think that a lot of parents get caught up in parenting style. I think you could probably agree that they're so rigid in their rules one, two, and three, that they don't realize that not all rules and parenting styles fit every single child. That's right. And and I think parents do get into this this routine of of approaching a topic um, in a very, very strict way. And and many times when they're confronted with a child who's using a substance, you know, they rightly get concerned about that, but that's all that they focus on. And they don't think, well, maybe there's an, uh, maybe there's other issues going on that are driving that child to use a substance. And, and, and that's why I recommend to parents, if, 
if you suspect your child is using a substance, get a comprehensive assessment so you can rule in or rule out if there's other issues that, that need to be addressed besides the substance use. Now on your links, which we'll get to in a little while, do you have those assessments? Do you have places where people can go get these assessments? Where do you advise parents to go to get them done? Well, the, the, the specific assessments that I recommend are in a chapter on in my book on assessments. Wonderful. So, so you can learn exactly what assessments <laughs> I'm recommending, such as an addictions assessment and a psychological assessment. Yeah. Um, in terms of where do you go as a parent to get these assessments, I recommend that you go to, you could, you could consult with your family physician. Mm-hmm. who often can make referrals to other professionals in the community. You can talk to your school counselor or your mm-hmm. school social worker, who many times can do some of these assessments, or mm-hmm. if not, they can recommend other professionals in the community that can do these assessments. Definitely. So the school counselor and the social worker are always good resources. Um, and then there's the mental health society, too, in your community mm-hmm. that often can recommend people who can do these assessments. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice and great because I think that that is another really hard thing for parents is what do I do? I don't know what to do. How do I find the resources? Um, And so, yeah, that's something that, you know, definitely look for his book, go and get the assessments if you have questions. Now, let's take a step back and talk about signs, the signs that you see, maybe the, you know, top three or five signs that you hear or see that your child might be having a substance abuse issue. Yeah. In my book, I have uh, uh, warning signs for a child that might be drinking alcohol. I have different warning signs uh, or warning signs for a child that might be smoking marijuana. I have warning signs for a child that might be self-injuring or cutting on themselves. Mm -hmm. And I have warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder. And all of those warning signs are a little bit different. But as a general rule, what I recommend to parents is pay attention to the changes you see in your child. You know your child better than anyone. So pay attention to the changes that you see. Don't assume that what you're seeing is just normal adolescent acting out. It might be, it might very well be that. But but it might also be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface. So some examples yeah. would be a child who whose grades are starting to decline, a child who is getting into disciplinary problems at school, a child who used to enjoy playing sports, no longer enjoys or mm-hmm. wants to participate in sports, a child who used to openly introduce you to their friends. You knew who their friends were. You might have even known who their family members were or some of their family members now becomes very secretive about their about their friends. Mm. So these are some examples of warning signs that if they come and go fairly quickly and they don't linger and last very long, it's probably not too concerning. But if these warning signs continue to, to, to remain for a while, and then you start to see more warning signs, maybe you see one and then you see another and then another, then I think it's time to be concerned and, and get the assessments done that I recommend. Definitely. I think that that's wonderful advice. Um, And, you know, you can't, 
this is goes for, you know, every, every child, you can't really say that there's a certain age that's appropriate because each child is different in their own capacity of understanding. But what is a general age that you might say to parents, start talking to your kids about drinking, about, uh, you know, alcohol or, or substance abuse so that they can, like you said, is power just as powerful or knowledge just as powerful for the children as for the parents? I think it is. Kids are are, are inquisitive. They want to know about things. They, they 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 like learning about things. And depending on the child, you want you want the discussion to be age appropriate. Yes, so exactly. what I recommend is if if you have uh, pre teenagers, mm-hmm. maybe seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old that you start the discussion by focusing on educating them about their brain, Mm. about the neuroscience of their brain. What is the brain? What are different areas of the brain? There's an area that's responsible for speech. There's an area that helps you uh, walk. There's an area that helps you remember Mm. things. So begin to educate them about how important the brain is and, and let them know that their brain is developing. Our brains don't become fully mature until around age 24 or 25. Mm. So begin at an early age to educate them about the importance of protecting the brain and how the brain works. And then as they move into the teenage years and they get a little bit older, now that they've got an understanding of the brain, then you can begin to introduce topics like how do drugs affect the brain? Mm -hmm. You know about the brain now because we've talked about it. Now let's take a look and see how drugs like marijuana or some other drugs actually change the brain. So mm-hmm. that's a process that you can begin very young, uh, when a child's very young, to educate them about the brain. And then as they get older, introduce how drugs work in the brain. Now, if you have a teenager, you can use the same approach, uh, the neuroscience approach, focusing on the brain and help them to be able to learn how these drugs work in the brain. When I was working with teenagers at Menninger Clinic, it didn't do me any good to tell them they shouldn't be using drugs. <laughs> yeah. It didn't do me any good to tell them drugs were illegal. They already knew that. Yeah. It didn't do me any good to tell them if they continue to use, their grades might drop, they drop out of school, they won't get to college, and they might not get a job because they didn't believe any of that. But what did capture their attention was when I started to talk to them about the neuroscience of drug use, how it affected the brain that they were interested in. So I think that's the one topic that captures teenagers' interest is the neuroscience approach because they're curious. They want to know about their brain and they're interested in how drugs like marijuana work within Mm -hmm. their brain. And, you know, it's easy to find this information. Some people might hear us talking and sure it's smooth and easy and we can discuss it casually. But, you know, for other parents in neuroscience in a child's behavior and brain might seem overwhelming, but there are really easy ways to go. Like I went to, for example, Udemy, I should get paid for this plug. No, just kidding. But I just took a simple course, Neuroscience for Parents. And what it did was help explain from birth to teen, you know, 
a 24, exactly, in, in fact, what stages of the brain were happening during those, you know, timeframes and developments of a child. And it was so helpful and wonderful for us to then look at our child and say, okay, this is a fight or flight response. Okay. This is this type of a response. Like this is mm-hmm. how we should navigate and strategize how to help this child work through these challenges. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, of great information on finding that. And I think that's a really really great advice and place to start. I don't think that people would really normally think to start like that. So I love that. I don't think they would either. And and, and they can begin by uh, reading my book and and looking at the chapter on neuroscience, which is very short. There's a couple of graphs in that book. One shows the maturing brain and it shows how the brain matures over time. So you can look at that picture Mm -hmm. and very quickly see how the child's brain is developing over time. There's another chart in that book, another picture, which shows where marijuana attaches itself to the in the brain and that's something that i i i I showed uh teenagers i said here's a picture of the brain and you can see where marijuana attaches itself to the brain so Mm -hmm. i put that picture in the book as an example of something you can show a teenager that will help them understand that marijuana affects different areas of the brain so i would recommend you read that chapter it'll get you the basic understanding of neuroscience I love that. And I think that, you know, what was the response from these teenagers when they got the core information like that? They were they were very much interested in learning more. They wanted to know more about it. Uh, And for some of them, it made the difference because um, they began to see how these drugs were affecting the brain Mm -hmm. in ways that they couldn't see themselves and, yes. and, and their parents couldn't see. For example, when, when the neuroscience, when the, when the psychological and neuropsychological tests came back on these kids, what it showed was that the processing speed of their brain was below average, yeah. their short-term memory was impaired, and their motivation was reduced. Some of these things like the processing speed of the brain and the short-term memory might not be readily observable to parents. Yeah. And that's why with a neuropsychological or a psychological assessment, you can uncover it. So some of these changes are going on in the brain that that are not clearly observable, mm-hmm. but, there's, but they're there. They're changing the brain. And these kids were very concerned about how this stuff was affecting their brain once they could see evidence that it was doing that. Yeah. Now, we, if they stop, can we reverse these problems are are these problems not if you go too far probably not into your life but at what point do you think could you give these kids um you know say hey you know if you could stop within the next year or two you could get your brain back to kind of this state or anything like that well what i would tell them and i have this in the book also is that our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves mm-hmm. so once you stop using a substance our brain starts to recover almost immediately now a lot depends on you know how young you were when yeah. you started using which drugs you were using, some are more damaging than others, mm-hmm. and how long you used, you know. Uh, uh, but, but regardless of those factors, the message is when we stop using a, an illicit substance, our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves, mm-hmm. and you can see that improvement over time. 
I love that. And you know, a thought just popped into my brain. What about tobacco? Do you talk about tobacco uh, addiction and how that that could affect kids as well? Yeah, in in my book, um, I have brief chapters on the various street drugs that are out there. Most parents know about alcohol and marijuana, but they may not be familiar with some of these other drugs that are out there that kids have access to. So I put a brief chapter on these street drugs out there, just just basic information to help parents understand more about these drugs that their kids may have access to. Nicotine is, is an interesting one because one of the alarming things that we're finding is over the past three years, there has been a dramatic increase in the number of teenagers who are turning to vaping substances like nicotine and marijuana. In the last three years, there has been a dramatic increase in the percentage of teenagers turning to vaping. Now, cigarette smoking is at an all-time low. It's, it's at an all time low, but that's great. What's hap- <laughs> and that's good. But what's happened is kids have moved from smoking tobacco to vaping nicotine, yeah. which means they're getting higher concentrations of nicotine. So that increase in vaping is something that parents need to be aware of because mm-hmm. it's increasing dramatically. Many parents don't know about vaping, or maybe they've mm-hmm. heard a little bit about it. Yeah. They may not recognize some of the vaping pins that are out there, exactly. but, but they need to be aware that this vaping is, is increasing at a significant rate among high school kids. And the, it's a lot less like different odors and everything like that. So that's, that's a really interesting um, thing to, yeah, it really has changed a lot. I mean, I don't smoke or vape. So look, that's why I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I, I, that's incredible. I am so glad that I, you know, haven't ever had to have any of those issues yeah. to deal with. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much. I, I'm so glad that we could have this discussion. What type of, um, when people, when parents are, you know, they need to go get treatments for their kids. What can they do when treatments are all done to help their kids stay on track? I, I think that once a child gets through the treatment process, and 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 I also recommend that, um, you know, oftentimes we put the focus on the kid, and we forget the parent. The parent's going through a crisis too. So, the, so the, true. The, the parent is struggling themselves. Yeah. They may have fear. They may have anxiety. They may feel guilty that they missed the warning signs. Mm-hmm. So parents need help too. And my recommendation to any parent who is going through this with a child using a substance is make sure you have a support system around you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's another family member. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's your church community. Maybe it's a, a support group. Um, but build a support system around yourself because you're going to need that. As your as your child goes through treatment, you'll have some struggles as well. Uh, so you need that support support system. Once your child is in out of treatment and in recovery, then I think that you can do things to encourage and support that child to maintain their sobriety. You know, you can compliment them, you can work with them, certainly check in with them to see how they're doing, and just provide a good support system for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so true. So true. You know, I'm lucky as I have a 22 year old, but um, so I've already (laughs) been through a lot of counseling sessions and other things with her. But I also have a nine year old who's, you know, just up and coming. And 
it's, this is great information to refresh my memory to say, okay, these are the kinds of things that I need to remember to talk to her about these. She's, you know, very mature, very emotionally mature. So she'd be able to handle some of these types of conversations. And even I'm very excited to get the book, read your book and really dive deep into it and, and, you know, show her those diagrams. So, because she's very interested in science. And so I think that this will work in my favor. (laughs) I think it will too. I think it will too. And, and I think that's a great idea to maybe give her a copy of the book, uh, give her an opportunity to read it. And then the two of you discuss uh, any of the chapters in the book, just to get her perception of, of, of Mm -hmm. how she, of how she understood the book. I think that can be a great discussion. I think so too. And I will let you know when, after that happens, you'll get a, Get a recap of what happened. Thank okay. you so much for your time today. And um, before we go, of course, please tell us where we can get all of the information, find the book. And of course, I'll have links to the description. I'll have a picture of the book up on the screen once okay. it's edited. So everybody will know um, what they're looking for. But yeah, let us know. I will. And there's also a parent workbook that, that that's available yes, for parents absolutely. as well, which helps them with some exercises and has some has some tips on how to deal with anxiety and how to communicate with our child. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're so really important. good at when we talk to our children uh, or even each other, we're good at listening to each other's words, but we're not so good sometimes at listening to the feelings behind those words. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking to our child, we can learn the ability to not just hear their words, but hear their feelings and reflect those back to the child. Um, And that's a skill every parent can practice and learn. The book is available uh, and the workbook is available, both of them on Amazon. Uh, The easiest way is to go to the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com helptheaddictedchild.com. When you get to the site, you can read endorsements, you can read reviews, you can read a sample chapter. There'll be a link that'll take you directly to Amazon. The book is available as a Kindle for people who like to read on a Kindle. And it's also available in a paperback for people who might want to write, jot notes, highlight, underline, or just keep it on the bookshelf. (laughs) Um, And then there's also a link that will take them to the uh, parent workbook if they want. And there's a link uh, that will allow them to, if they want, they can send me a message or ask me a question and it'll come directly to me. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for this information today. Uh, I think like you said, you know, it's a topic that parents need to have knowledge to be prepared. Knowledge is power. Like get yourself in the power seat for parenting and really, you know, hold, hold the cards so that you can help your arrow land in the best place that they can possibly land. Thank you so, so much for your time today, Richard. You're welcome. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me and to share your observations and comments as well. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And we will definitely be in touch. Thank you. This episode's sponsors include Blinky Minky Blankets, handmade double-sided minky blankets, highest quality and craftsmanship, creating your perfect blanket for your loved one as a special forever gift. Code word the mouth for discount today. By Dana Ball Legal Services. Avoid common legal mistakes and protect your small business. Dana makes it affordable for your Utah small business to avoid common legal mistakes with business operations, contracts, and employees. 
Get more information today at DanaBallLaw.com. By moving with autism, a service for autism families seeking real estate and design services that provide support for their child's development and family lifestyle. Natalie Castro is a Utah autism real estate specialist and autism sibling whose mission is to connect families to community support with sensory-friendly designs and relocation services. By Elevation Chiropractic Center. Get started on your path to full health. Elevation Chiropractic Center uses the upper cervical chiropractic technique to get results by identifying and solving the root issues of your medical condition quickly and safely. Elevation Chiropractic Center, Salt Lake City, Utah. This story is brought to you by Water and Body Basics, West Valley City, Utah.